brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. The Synod of Synodality rolls on, and while it continues, we have an ongoing situation in the church that we've all just grown used to. It's been how things are for our whole lives, yet we still complain about it. The lack of priestly vocations in the church. In an era where priests are scorned or worse by society, in an era where even the whiff of suspicion can be placed at good priest's feet that he has no hope of ever having a clear name again, it's little wonder that few men choose to become priests in our time. Add in that the growth of traditional priestly fraternities and religious orders against a backdrop of withering diocesan seminaries and mix in Francis's usual anti-tradition language, you get a situation where the traditional strongholds for the faith are experiencing a very real decline in vocations, such that priests are swapped around like a commodity. There are real consequences to this as we shall see, so let's just get into this developing story. But as we do like to do from time to time, let's check in with Paca Papa Francis for some of his classic words of wisdom. He was speaking at the event that commemorated the 400th anniversary of the canonization of St. Ignatius of Loyola, who must be quite upset about the state of the Jesuits for the past century. Francis had these words of wisdom to say, quote, In the church, in the world, in our spirituality, in our society, we risk focusing on customs, habits, and traditions that set our hearts on passing things and make us forget what remains. Let us think with the church, reject the temptation to be concerned with our own success. Let's not allow ourselves to be sucked into a clericalism that leads to a rigidity or an ideology that leads to divisiveness. When we feel bitterness or disappointment, or when we feel belittled or misunderstood, let us not wander off into complaints or nostalgia for bygone times. End quote. I don't know how customs and habits and traditions are passing things, so those things are typically quite literally the opposite of passing things. But again, what do I know? But I'll give him credit where it's due. He managed to fit most of his negative buzzwords into his address celebrating one of the most militant and rigid priests in the history of the Counter-Reformation, and that does take some skill to pull off. Francis can't support rigidly clinging to the faith when he has told us flat out that we shouldn't rigidly cling to the truths of the faith some months ago in an Angelus address in Rome. He's busy trying to make the Catholic Church into another Protestant denomination. He will fail, of course, but he's certainly trying. But don't take my word for it. I've got a Protestant minister here and some other Catholic leaders who've been warning about this, and that's the key to our discussion today, how to understand what we're witnessing in the church. This is all on top of all the letters I presented to you in the last week or so, warning of this same thing. But let's go to that Protestant leader, who warns us that not only is Francis trying to Protestantize the Catholic Church, but that doing so won't solve the vocations issues in the Church, which are on paper Francis's excuse for embracing the errors in the Synod. That Protestant leader is a German theologian named Friedrich Wilhelm Graf, a professor of theology in Germany. Headline from Kath.net. Liberal Protestant. The synodal path in Germany is a Protestantization of the Catholic Church. You know, I like when those who oppose the Church and everything she historically stood for are just brutally honest with us like this. It's refreshing, and I wish we'd have more of the modernists in the hierarchy just be brutally honest like Dr. Graf is being here. From the article, quote, In an article in the March issue of Rotary magazine, Graf first praised the development of Protestantism into a, quote, liberal cultural religion. They were created by Protestant theologians from the allegedly compl completely contradictory system of symbols of Christianity and from the biblical, quote, myths and legends that seem to be against all reason, end quote, 
With a view to the present, he praises the high proportion of women among Protestant pastors and emphasizes that the majority of Protestant theology students are now also women. For the fact that many Protestants are now justifying their withdrawal from their church with the Pope, he rightly blames the, quote, soft focus ecumenism in which differences are pathetically denied. In the end, he states, quote, even the Protestantization of the Catholic Church, which is now being designed as a, quote, synodal path, will not remedy the massive lack of young people for the priesthood. Professor Graff is at least in agreement with this. Instead of prevailing soft-sign ecumenism, the Catholic Church needs to sharpen its profile. The Protestantization sold as the synodal path, which is practiced by clerical and lay officials as a means of preventing exit and preserving their assets, has no future. End quote. And he's not wrong. The more the Church cozies up to the values of the world, the worse the results will be. Instead of more vocations, in the long run, there will be fewer. Should any kind of ordination be opened up to married clergy and women and the rest, it will be even worse. Every liberalization of the faith has resulted in fewer vocations, not more, and it's been a mostly steady decline in vocations numbers since the close of the Council and the advent of the new mass of Bugini and Paul VI. To illustrate this, a report has been quietly circulating these past several days about declining vocations to the priesthood. Initial numbers started appearing in early February with little context provided. The strange phenomenon of Africa sending its priests to America despite their being needed in their homelands, separate reporting on vocations, but little in the way of big-picture data has been provided. What we know from more recent reports is that in the United States, the average priest is 67 years old. That's not a good thing, but it gets worse. According to a report circulating on email lists among those tracking these things, and then published recently by the ever-reputable Mesa and Latino, we get these numbers. In the United States, by diocese, the state of locations looks like this. There are 13 healthy dioceses in the U.S., 36 borderline dioceses, 76 total dioceses described as being in generally a good state of things, 52 unhealthy dioceses, and 38 dioceses that had zero vocations or ordinations in the past year. Zero. These categories are not really explained, but in the most simple terms we can describe them as having enough vocations to meet their present needs and plan for the future, at least under the rubric of being healthy. The rest declines from there. Now think about that for a moment. There are 144 Latin Rite dioceses in the United States, and barely half are described positively, and the rest are borderline or failing in terms of vocations. That's an incredible statistic, and it isn't getting any better. I recall visiting a friend on the East Coast a decade or so ago, and we went to Mass together, and they told me that their priest is too busy to talk to because the priest was the only one available to offer the Mass and confession at five separate parishes on a Sunday. Let me know if that is your situation or something similar. But let's get a closer look at the situation. An article from The Pillar gives us an idea of what this looks like in real terms. Headline, America's Retiring Priests. The numbers aren't good, and they lead to some bad outcomes, such as strains on parish communities, priests unable to assist laity when they desperately need help, and more reliance on unqualified lay help. From the article, quote, with more than one-third of priests in the United States already retired, priest retirements are expected to outpace ordinations in most U.S. dioceses for several years to come. While the number of retired and retiring priests mirrors the trend of retiring baby boomers across the American workforce, clergy retirements represent a significant challenge in the church, financially and in terms of the distribution and allocation of resources. There were 24,653 diocesan Catholic priests in the United States in 2020, according to data compiled by CARA, the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate. More than one-third of those priests were, was retired, and the share of American priests who are retired has more than doubled since 1980. 
In nine American dioceses, more than 50% of diocesan priests are retired, end quote. The article goes into a number of consequences, mostly financial and the like, but I want to focus on another kind of consequence, the pastoral drain of priests from parts of the world that need them to the United States and Ireland and other places. Crux Magazine had an interesting article a month ago on the consequences of a lack of ordinations to the priesthood in the U.S. An influx of priests from the developing world into the U.S. when those countries have many times the Catholics than the U.S. Headline from Crux. In new Catholic numbers and imponderable movement shaping history, the piece begins by describing growth of the church in Africa, Asia, and the developing world more broadly, but then describes the horrible mismatch of vocations to mostly Europe and America. There simply aren't enough priests in the countries with the most growth to go around, and even worse, those countries export their few priests they have to America to make up for our terrible vocations numbers. Quote, in 2020, there were 410,219 Catholic priests in the world, with 40% living in Europe and just about 13% in North America and Australia and New Zealand, meaning that over half the world's priests live and minister in the West at a time when more than two-thirds of its population is someplace else. This is not, by the way, because the West is brimming with new vocations to the priesthood. Like everything else, the new vocations and seminaries these days come disproportionately from Africa and Asia, who now provide 60% of all seminarians worldwide. If the church in the U.S. tomorrow had to kick out all the Mexican, Colombian, Vietnamese, Korean, Filipino, Nigerian, Ugandan, and Congolese priests serving in American dioceses, not to mention all the religious women from those places, it might as well put a going-out-of-business sign on the front door of almost every diocesan cathedral in the country. If the Catholic Church were a well-run business, it would reallocate personnel to serve the area of greatest market growth. Consider that at a moment. The priest-to-Catholic ratio in Europe is 1 to 1,746 parishioners, and if we consider the real feel index, like weather guys, that ratio feels even closer because relatively few of those Catholics actually show up at church wanting pastoral care. In Africa, it's one priest for every 5,089 Catholics, and most of them do show up. Consider that North America has almost the same number of priests as all of Africa, despite the fact that there are 84 million Catholics in the U.S. and Canada, and more than three times that number in Africa, at 236 million. It doesn't take a Harvard MBA to figure out something's wrong with this picture. Not only are church authorities not doing anything to correct the situation, they're actually making it worse by signing off on transfers of personnel from south to north, rather than the other way around. End quote. I've never been a fan of the strange idea that the church will be saved by some ultra-Orthodox priests and faithful in Africa. Those Catholics from the West who visit Africa know that the state of the church there is far too complicated for that to be the case, with many of the same problems we talk about in America and Europe happening in the church in Africa as well. For example, for every Cardinal Robert Seurat, there's a Cardinal Turkson, and a correcting of the course of the church won't be coming from that part of the world. The worst part of this is that the church in America and Europe could address its vocations problems by doing the one thing that the powers that be in Rome refuse to do, embracing the authentic Catholic faith, ending this modernist nonsense, rejecting the synodal path, and in general, teaching the faith. I know, that's a novel concept. That won't happen, of course, because the leaders of the synod from Francis on down are demonstrably Protestant in their actions and attitudes. One only has to look to Bishop Botzing out of Germany, who is in open protest to the Church's moral teachings and foundations that go back to the time of the Apostles, and it's perfectly illustratable with him alone. It's gotten so bad that Protestant leaders are telling Catholics that this won't solve the problems in the Church. What will solve the problems? 
unleashing the traditional priestly fraternities, unleashing the traditional liturgy and sacraments, and teaching orthodoxy from the pulpit. Yes, you'll lose the people from the pews who hold on to heterodox views of the faith, but they really weren't there to begin with anyway. What you'll get are the young who hunger for the truth, but don't see a point in staying in a church that is indistinguishable from the world. But our leaders want the church to love the world above all else, and they've forgotten the maxim of the Lord. When he told the apostles that the world will hate them because the world hated him, the faith will get mocked. It will be derided, no matter how much of the world the prelates of the church embrace. And in so embracing the world, they'll lose the faithful in those places where the secular norms have gone off the rails the most. In other words, in the places where the Catholic Church needs to be the Catholic Church the absolute most. Just look at Ireland and the state of vocations there, where the SSPX had as many ordinations as the entire country of Ireland did recently. I'll close with this quote from Monsignor Ronald Knox, one of the great biblical scholars and theologians of the 20th century, and who translated my probably favorite translation of the Bible from before the council for just more casual biblical reading instead of deep scholarship. And that's, again, Monsignor Ronald Knox, who said the following, quote, You must pray for your priests. The spirit of a great institute like the Benedictine congregation does not survive automatically through the centuries. There is always danger, as time goes on, that such an institute, depending for its life not so much on principles of organization as upon the influence of a subtle spirit which animates it, will lose the freshness and purity of its character. End quote. During Lent, we need to remember to pray for priests and pray for vocations to the priesthood, for good men to become priests, and that these bishops, especially the ones who are wishy-washy or worse on these issues, will permit good men to become priests. We desperately need that. And Lent is a good time to offer our prayers and fastings and voluntary and involuntary sufferings that we endure this time of year for priestly vocations. They need it, of course, the prayers. And of course, we need the church in these vocations, especially in those places where the bishops feel compelled to borrow priests from overseas. And those countries where they are producing vocations need their priests because they still don't have enough. So please remember to keep them in your prayers. Let me know in the comments what you thought of all this. Have you seen this kind of thing at your own parish before? Do you have experience with the priests who come in from overseas? Let me know what your experiences are. I'm honestly curious. And if you like videos like this, like and subscribe. It does help. And share the video if you can. These days that also helps a lot too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.